0: The goal in business is to provide a product or service for your customers who you hope to grow into fans. However, the bottom line, the financial bottom line should be understood by all. Let's talk about it.
1: Like I said, a lot of the initiatives that I work on at the chamber are really geared towards Closing that opportunity gap, so making sure that everyone has equal access to different opportunities, whether it's getting um, an employment opportunity in like a high-wage, high-demand industry. Well, once that happens, you know, you you may go from making a certain amount of money, being underpaid, to making a you know a significant, meaningful income, and with that comes a lot of changes in finances.
0: Greetings, leaders, and welcome to another episode of Leadership Is Podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 22, with my special guest, Tiara Wilkie. And uh, she is definitely someone that you're going to want to hear from. Uh, you know, she founded her uh, financial, uh, her finance consultancy, Grounded Financial with the goal of ensuring that individuals will feel empowered to make smart monetary decisions and have access to knowledge and skills that help them to build financial stability. She says there's more than one way to approach finances. There isn't a singular or se- there isn't a singular or seven-step system that's going to work for every single individual or organization. And she says that that's where she comes in. She aims to help. Uh, individuals make informed and effective decisions about the use and management of money for long-term well-being. Hey, thank you. Uh, Welcome, Tiara. Hey, Jason. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So, you know, outside of uh, what it is that I just said, you know, about you, can you tell our audience a little about you, you know, more about who you are and what you do?
1: Absolutely. So, Um, Again, I'm Tiara and uh, I'm I'm a mother of two. I feel like that's always important because that really takes a huge chunk of, you know, my time and energy. So I have a four year old daughter and a nine year old son. So really, at this point, you know, we're all just kind of navigating through life. Um, taking it day by day. Outside of that, I also work at the Asheville Chamber in the Economic Development Coalition as the Workforce Partnership Specialist. So, really doing a lot of um, workforce development initiatives, and also, you know, ultimately creating access to opportunity for individuals who may um, have been kind of left behind or underserved, or really, you know, have barriers to um, different opportunities.
0: Yeah, very good. Very good. So with groundbreaking financial, uh, your consultancy, you know, what so you deal with financial literacy and today's topic is dealing with financial literacy really for leaders. Uh, You know, what is your definition of financial literacy? Um, I would
1: say for me, the term can really mean a lot of things. And to me, it's really just having an understanding of your finances and your situation and all that 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 entails so that could mean you know being able to manage them and budget accordingly um, really understanding your credit report and how to analyze and interpret that information learning how to manage debt and really just ultimately making your money work for you so so many different things kind of fall under that category and I like to think of myself as um, sort of like a preschool teacher to that like just focusing on like the
0: basics and so that's where we are. Yeah, yeah. Does any of your uh, financial literacy work uh, like bleed into, you know, your workforce development work? Um, Absolutely. So,
1: uh, like I said, a lot of the initiatives that I work on at the chamber are really geared towards closing that opportunity gap. So making sure that everyone has equal access to different opportunities, whether it's getting um, an employment opportunity in like a high wage, high demand industry. Well, once that happens, you know. You, you may go from making a certain amount of money, being underpaid to making, a, you know, a significant, significant, meaningful income. And with that comes a lot of changes in finances. And so it's really important to marry the two and make sure that you're not setting people up for failure and that they also have the tools and the resources in place to kind of um, go from one stage in life to another.
0: So a lot of there is a lot of um, collaboration between the
1: two for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. So from a personal standpoint of, you know, people with credit and, you know, building credit and trying to hold on to credit, you know, does does carrying a balance like on your credit card uh, help your credit? So it's actually better to pay your credit card balances in full
1: rather than carrying a balance because there isn't actually um, a benefit to your score from when you carry your balances of any sizes. So, with that in mind, I always recommend to people to keep their balances at 30% or below. So, your credit card utilization rate should always be below 30%. And that is what's going to help you, you know, build credit and improve your credit over time because overutilizing it doesn't help you, even if you do pay it back in full. So, I guess to kind of sum that up, there is really no known benefit to carrying over a balance.
0: Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, I wonder, man, how many people, you know, actually don't know that and, and, and are thinking the opposite, that carrying a balance and then, you know, it, it makes, I guess, the usage of the credit card, like, you know, you're, you're taking advantage of the credit uh, and, and carrying that balance, but it doesn't help you as it relates to your scores are concerned. So, yeah, that's excellent.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, There, there are. You're right. There are a ton of people who um, aren't familiar with that, and maybe have received like some miscommunication along those lines. And so, that's why I just want to be able to kind of um, create more advocacy. I'm sorry, I'm like messing up over here. Advocacy and awareness around that topic.
0: Yeah, yeah. So to go back to, I guess, workforce development, what do you think is is missing as it relates to workforce development? Like, why is there such a uh, gap, you know, uh, in this uh, uh, ready, ready employees or employees who are ready to, to work versus, you know, all of the jobs that are actually available for them to apply for?
1: There are so many different variables that go into that. So, um, you know, I think we all understand that there are a surplus of employers who have a huge demand and have positions that need to be filled. And then on the other end, there are individuals who are looking for meaningful work in those high wage, high demand industries But there are so many things that can really keep an individual being ready to get into an employment opportunity. So um, there's barriers like transportation, childcare, of course. Uh, I've worked with an individual who um, lost her job in the middle of the pandemic and actually, you know, for a year or two after that couldn't get her. Her child was on the wait list for so long. So because of that, she wasn't able to go back into an office and could only really benefit from like a work from home position. So that's one scenario. Also, there is, you know, the, the benefits cliff. Like sometimes people can go from making like a lower wage and then get, um, you know, now employers are wanting to pay more, which is huge. But there's also got to be some strategies put in place so people don't lose their benefits or they're prepared for the next step. So there's, there's really not one answer to that. It's just a lot of different variables and I'm glad you brought that up because it, it's, it's something that we heard a lot in the pandemic. And I wish that more people took the time to really understand um, all sides of this, the situation. And um, another thing kind of come to mind whenever you said that, I feel like there are so many resources that are, available in the Asheville area and so many people are doing the same things so I think it would be helpful if we could come together and figure out you know who's doing this and who's doing that and that way we can put our heads together versus there being so many different buckets of people trying to solve the same thing if that makes sense a lot more
0: collaboration would also be helpful. Yeah I've noticed that uh, the um, Land of Sky when they put out these workforce development reports uh, that, you know, there's a couple of things that are stopping people from applying. Like if you have over 25,000 jobs available, but roughly, you know, 9,000 people registered as unemployed just in, you know, this little area here, um, you know, a couple of things, of course, number one is the benefits, um, because it's like, okay, let's raise wages, but then let's um, have a deficit in the, in the, in the, in the benefits. But there's two other factors that play a part in why people are really not applying. It's uh, because of, you know, safety protocols for COVID-19, which was one, that one is kind of, you know, dwindling down now because of restrictions and because of the vaccine. But then number two, which was really number one, was what you mentioned, was, um, you know, finding someone to, to daycare. You know, I mean, uh, finding someone to take care of the children for them while they worked, Um, including the other two, which was the, you know, the COVID, uh, you know, safety protocols and, of course, the benefits. And so, yeah, there's a lot of uh, opportunities that are in front of workforce development, uh, you know, in order to close some of these these gaps as it relates to employment.
1: Absolutely. And, and one other point to that, I think um, it's also worth mentioning that, you know, COVID changed everything. So, you know, people were able to work from home. People, you know, employers started raising their wages and all the things. And now there's, there are a lot more opportunities and employers are willing to work with individuals depending on like experience and scheduling and things of that nature. Um, so it's, it's really hard for someone to jump on an opportunity if the work environment is going to be toxic or if the culture isn't, Mm. you know what it needs to be, or if there's not work-life balance. So I think that there's still a lot of work that needs to be done on that end as well. Like I, I love it. I think it's, amazing that we're now finally saying like you know what you know we made it through COVID and now I don't I don't want to work this job that's toxic that I hate and you know my boss isn't really this and that and and people are able to set boundaries and kind of really express you know what it is that they need from the employer as well so I think that a lot
0: of that is also happening yeah excellent 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 so now going back to dealing with um I guess uh credit and debt you know, um, should you pay down your largest debts first? Like, really, what is good debt and bad debt, actually?
1: So, as far as paying down the largest balances first, I always um, tell my clients to start with the low-hanging fruit. You know, the the smaller balances because that's easily, you know, that's more attainable. I think that if you were able to pay those larger balances first, you maybe necessarily wouldn't be in that situation at the moment. So start with the lowest hanging fruit. And then while you're doing that, you can simultaneously be working with the creditor or the lender to really create a plan for those larger balances, because you may need to break those up into payments, or you may need to look into some debt consolidation and things like that. But if you can go ahead and knock off those um, smaller balances, then that is going to really help kind of get you... Some, some skin in the game and kind of start cleaning up your reports and things of that nature. Um, and then you also ask what good debt is versus bad debt. So a lot of people like to think of having access to debt like being a bad thing, but it really is an amazing thing. I always say it's better to have credit than um, have credit and not need it to, than to need it and not be able to have any access to it. So like being able to buy a home and, you know, build an equity and and, and all of those things and really taking advantage of that. Or um, let's say you have a large expense that happens at home and your your hot water heater goes out at the same time as like your refrigerator and you need to take out a quick loan because your emergency fund isn't where it needs to be. Like being able to have access to that is important versus needing it and not having it. And then you've got bad debt, you know, things that really kind of hinder you from being able to take advantage of buying a house or being able to buy a car with a great interest rate. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm glad you asked that. I think there is a difference and it's important to kind of know that it is okay to have access to debt. You just want to make sure that you're managing that
0: properly. Very good. Very good. So (laughs) I, I guess I believe it would be from the H.R., Uh, department, in an organization, but is it important for leaders to learn and teach their teams uh, about, you know, financial literacy?
1: Absolutely. So I actually have started working, um, put together a program that is, well, let me take a step back. With groundbreaking financial, we really like to focus on three areas, three areas, and that is educational institutions, um, working in the community, and then also working with employers. Because, you know, I think of different industries, like let's say specifically like the hospitality industry. You know, if someone is a waitress and they're getting tips, then then their cash flow is going to look a little bit different. And how they manage that is going to look a little bit different. Um, or just getting a raise or a promotion, you know, having an influx of cash. Just because you make more money doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be good. Because I always say, if you can't manage your finances at 25000 a year, you're not going to be able to do the same at $100,000 a year. So all of that to say, it's important to offer that benefit to your employees in the workplace because that shows that you're invested in them. That shows that you're willing to help them, um, you know, manage the money that they're making. I mean, I, I don't know. I think that there's so many benefits that come from that. And there are a lot of employers that do that. Um, But that is a conversation that I've been having with different sectors on, you know, doing more classes and workshops just to help employees kind of um, get a leg up on that.
0: Very good. Very good. If you can give our audience uh, three financial tips. Now, you know, it can be for saving, clearing up debt, managing money. However, you know, if you can give our audience uh, three uh, three financial tips.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the first one I will say is probably like creating a budget. So for a lot of people, it's just very daunting. It's not something people want to make time for. Um, rightfully so, because, you know, as we all know, we weren't taught how to manage our finances and really understand it in grade school. So it a lot of times got swept under the rug. Like I think about my mom. Um, raising four of us. She was a single mom. She worked two and three jobs at one point in time. There wasn't really a moment for her to sit and think like, oh, I need to make a budget this month. Like, no, she was just doing what she needed to do to make sure that we had food on the table. So all of that to say, I think it's important to create a budget and really make a plan for your money. You know, take a look at the expenses that you have each month. How much you're spending? Do you have an emergency fund saved? These are all like little things that are going to help you really achieve those long-term financial goals. So number one is creating a budget. Um, number two, I kind of hit on this earlier, but I definitely, I always stress this to people. Keep those credit card balances below 30%. Um, the, the the more that you're, I mean, even less than that, like I have clients who keep their balances anywhere from like 2% to, to 10%, meaning that they're only utilizing 2% of their available credit. And it really helps them improve their score over time. It's not going to be a significant change that you're going to see right away. But once you start getting those balances paid down, you'll really be able to reap those benefits and see. Um, So you just have to trust the the process and um, keep those paid down. And then the last tip I would say, um, take actually, take a look at your credit report. Um, because everybody's entitled to one free credit report every year. You can do that by accessing um, either going to Experian, TransUnion, or Equifax, their websites, or you can go to annualcreditreport.com and get access to that. I can't tell you how many clients that I've worked with in the past who, as we're going through their report and I'm doing an assessment, we talk through items that are on there and there's a lot of, Oh, I didn't even know that was on there or that's not mine. Um, So that could be a case of identity theft or identity fraud or anything. And you could really be suffering for things that you can kind of start working through and resolving. So definitely take advantage of that free credit report and see what's going on. Familiarize yourself with it and start creating a plan um, or seek a specialist, but start creating a plan on how to resolve Any debt or
0: build credit and things of that nature. So those are my three tips. (laughs) Very good, very good, very good. So uh, is are there any uh, closing comments that you would like to give? um, You know, and contact information and how people can get your services. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I think just uh, a one last
1: comment. I think that you know I, I mentioned this, but you know this isn't something that is really talked about as often like just being you know financially aware or financially well and I think that there's no better time than now to really start you know taking back control of your finances and even if it's a little step at a time take advantage of free classes that you see take a bit like i am a huge advocate and supporter of on track financial celeste collins who is the executive director there like they do a lot of things for free so if you're an individual like take advantage of those resources to really start kind of you know like i said planning for those financial goals whatever they may be no matter how big or how small um i really like to focus on group classes and workshops so again working with employers working in communities and working with different schools because i want to you know, kind of reach people at a higher capacity. And so, if you're interested in learning more, or if you are an organization that is interested in having some type of class or workshop at your facility or your institution, you can reach me at groundbreakingfinancial.com. You can also reach us on social media. Facebook, it's um, facebookcom financial and then we are also on Instagram at groundbreakingfinancial
0: very good very good well the dynamic miss tiara wilkie has definitely been um an honor to have you on the leadership is podcast and just know that this door is always open for you and uh you take care thank you jason talk to you soon hey greetings leaders and thank you for enjoying another episode of leadership is podcast with my special guest tiara wilkie and she gave us three excellent financial tips, right? Leaders can use that. Number one is create a budget. Number two is keep credit card balances lower than 30%. And number three is check your credit report or get a you know, credit report, a you know, credit check. Thank you very much, Tierra, for those excellent tips. Here at JM Leadership Development, our primary goal is to assist your organization to fill or build your leadership bench. If you would like to discuss uh, or have a discussion of how we can help you with that, please don't hesitate to reach out at 828-333-7234 or send us an email at thejasonamohammed at gmail.com. And always remember, leadership is influence and service.